Hello and welcome to another episode of the Childhood Evolved podcast. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. This show is all about continuing to evolve the state of childhood forward. It really wasn't that long ago in our history as human beings that the state of childhood wasn't even considered to exist at all as a unique period of development. And it came to life and it's been pushed forward step by step by people who care and who are dedicated. My name is Alex and I'm a preschool teacher. I don't have all the answers, and what I've actually found through the years of my career, teaching children, caring for them, learning from them, what I've found is I've come up with a lot of questions, and instead of coming up with more and more answers, I've come up with more and more questions. But this is good, I've learned, because the conversations that emerge from that can really take my own knowledge deeper and and help me keep questioning and encourage others to keep questioning as well. And so we arrive at a more rich understanding through this process. And that's my idea with this show, to really push you forward, challenge your thinking, and engage you in this conversation, this ongoing conversation around children and childhood. So there's a lot of experts out there. There's a lot of access to information, and it's really hard to know who to listen to or how to even process all that. So breaking things down, making them in a way simple and in a way infinitely more complex, those are all things that are one of the goals of this show. I'd like to start off this episode by introducing a new component of my program, which is called Patreon, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com. And it's a new component to my work, and it's a place where supporters and listeners can gather, and you can sign up and become a patron and show your support and be a part of this journey with me. Please go ahead and check that out. I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes as well, but it's going to be patreon.com slash childhoodevolved to find my page. And in the next few episodes, after people kind of go on there and check it out and see what it's all about and sign up, I'm going to start doing a little bit more with the website, with the Patreon community. And you can get more information about that by logging on to patreon.com and checking it out. So what's been on my mind this week and what this episode is going to be all about is on gender identity issues. It's come up a little bit at work through interesting conversations with children and with parents. And there's so many things. This is something that I've studied and analyzed as a teacher for years. And it's also something deeply personal to me. So there's a lot of different directions we can go in and and talk about with this. And I definitely want to do more shows on this. And I'd even like to do some interviews coming up. There's a few different people I think that would be excellent to interview and to get into some great conversations on the show and just getting the budget together, getting the technology to have more microphones and and editing equipment and things like that will help these kind of growth areas move forward. And that's part of the reason I started this Patreon or signed up to be a part of that is because it will enable the the money part of things to grow and to help uh, the show grow as well. So... What I'm going to do today is just try to give a little simple overview of some concepts around gender and gender identity, and I'll talk a little bit about my own journey with gender as well. I think I've mentioned in past shows that I identify as non-binary, and I'll get a little bit more into that in this episode, maybe more towards the second half of the show. So I'm going to use this diagram that's called the gender-bred person, which you can find pretty easily on Google. Just Google it and you can see in Google Images the gender-bred person. There's a few different versions of it, 
there's a simple one and then they have a version 2.0 and there's a version 3.3 as well but it's all one word gender bread uh, the word gender and the word bread together gender bread person so go ahead and google that and bring it up if you want to see a, a visual of what i'm kind of talking about here today i think especially if you're new to understanding some of the new vocabulary and the differences around gender if you're new to it the gender bread person can be especially helpful and if you're really new and you don't know much about this stuff maybe try to look at the simple version which you can tell just from the google image it's the one that looks really simple they get more and more complex as they've evolved it so if go ahead and pull that up and it really gives you a pretty easy way to understand some of what's going on and to kind of break it down so it shows this gender bread person and it has a kind of rainbow colored brain and that is labeled identity, gender identity. And then the body parts, the, the physical appearance is your sex, which is your, your biological sex and your anatomy and your traits and characteristics that you're born with. And in a lot of the culture that we live in, or at least the way things more used to be, people kind of automatically tie these two things together. And they see boy and they see girl. And that's two, two things, man and woman, male and female. That's what we call the binary. And so kind of moving beyond the binary and getting more com complex, but also opening up to new possibilities is kind of where we're going, I feel, as a culture, as a society. We're becoming more open to this stuff. And so the genderbred person is a great place to start. Although it's kind of breaking down this binary, it's still using this idea of masculinity and femininity as the kind of two dominant traits that you can have more or less of. So it's still sort of based on the binary in a way. If you look at it, you'll kind of see that. And at the same time, it is challenging us to look beyond that and to kind of look deeper as well. I think one thing you'll find is that there are people out there who've rejected the concept of the gender, gender binary entirely, this whole idea of categories and labels entirely. And in sorting all of this out, some of the best advice I've gotten on gender is to really use this language and these categories around gender when they mean something to you and when it's a common language you can share with somebody else and reject it when it doesn't suit you or when it constrains you. So, for example, in my case, I could describe myself more as kind of a motherly or that kind of energy with when it comes to children to be more on the, the feminine side of things, just how I act and how I'm more gentle and things like that. And because there's so many shared concepts around language, I could paint that person, uh, that picture in another person's head pretty easily. Or I could say I'm more masculine when it comes to things around vehicles like cars. You know, if I said I'm more on the masculine side when it comes to cars and even airplanes, because I learned to fly planes uh, as a teenager and I'm still a pilot. And so they, if I said I'm more masculine around cars, people might think that I know a lot about cars or I'm into them or... I'm good at fixing them, and those things are sort of kind of true. I mean, I did learn how to do things like tire changes and oil changes and things like that. Um, I don't know about any any repairs beyond that. I might not be so great at it. But I could use those concepts to kind of take a shortcut and describe to someone else something about me. Yet in my next breath, I might really rethink all of that and say it's ridiculous, it's silly. Why should an interest in cars or airplanes or being more gentle and sensitive with kids be tied to a gendered term. It's just, those are my characteristics as a person. And so I wouldn't want to be constrained. And so really that's what this particular piece of advice is all about for me. Use the language when it benefits you and feel free to completely toss it out when it constrains. And 
course, as adults, we can get to this point pretty easily and just be ourselves. When it comes to children, they're really learning how to be in the world, how to exist and what the rules are. And so I think it's a lot easier for kids to feel or to be constrained by these concepts. And I think that's why I've been so interested in studying this as a teacher. It's, it's been one of the most interesting and important areas for me to study since I've been a teacher, a preschool teacher. And so I had a conversation once with a friend and I was kind of trying to explain why I identify as non-binary. And it's sort of hard to explain because, I don't know, I enjoy working with children. I keep like a quiet and clean house. I like to cook. I do paint my nails. But it's like, so what? Why, why can't you just do all of that anyway and just be a guy? Why do you need to change your label or, or, or whatnot? And there's so much wisdom in that advice, I feel, because in a way my identifying as non-binary personally is a way of just rejecting the whole made-up system around gender. But I've thought about it, and I kind of feel like I go one step further than just doing all these things I want to do, but keeping the label that has been given to me of male, which is made up by someone else. So instead of just keeping the label of male, but doing, keeping all the other stuff and keeping the label, I reject the label itself and just kind of make up my own. And I even kind of drew my own cool little gender symbol just for fun, just for being creative. Um, more about that later. But for me, it's more about a feeling than anything else. It, it just feels more comfortable. And if I wear a dress or leggings, but in neutral colors, if I paint my nails, if I have extra money laying around to go paint my nails, um, and, you know, it's it's being a preschool teacher is not the most affluent job in the world, so that can be hit or miss. But it, it's not as easy for people to put me in a box if they see me or even figure out what, what they're looking at. And I kind of like that. It makes me feel super unique. And of course, we all are super unique, right? To get back to my kind of basic explanation of what gender identity is, you got these two really basic terms of the sex, biological sex, and gender. And they're not the same thing. And one of the easiest ways I can think of to illustrate this is when you're expecting a baby people will have the baby shower and they'll have the gender reveal and they'll have the cupcakes with different colors inside and of course that's a really fun and exciting time and, and whatever but if you really think about it you can't find out the gender of a baby or even a child by looking you have to ask and you have to discern how somebody feels to get their gender identity i mean you can assume that it's all going to match up because when someone's anatomical sex matches the way they identify in their head you, we call that cisgender and so a lot of the time I mean most of the time you're going to be correct if you just kind of assume that's a girl that's a boy and you label them that way most of the time you're going to be correct but it's still a sort of dangerous thing to make the assumption and if and so much of this stuff around gender and really so much of things around other topics in our society right now, whether it's whether it's race, race or nationalism or, or politics or whatever, it's really about the specific words we're using and the meaning behind them. And a lot of misunderstanding can happen when we're kind of not careful with our words. And we don't want to be overthinking or walking on eggshells or anything like that, but it's really just about bringing that intention to it and being a little thoughtful about these words. So if you talk about a child you know, their biological sex, great. And if you're assuming it's a boy or a girl, and but we'll give them wiggle room later to figure it out for themselves, it's different than just making the assumption 
early on and, and kind of figuring that you you got it or you know it all. And so someone who is transgender, that, that's one term to just kind of say they don't really feel a match between their anatomical, biological sex and their gender identity. And the kind of easiest one to explain is someone that is a woman but is in a male body or vice versa, who is a male but in a woman body. And so they, their gender identity, what they're identifying as in their head and what they truly are is that man or that woman and their body's not matching up. And so people can handle that in different ways. They may change their expression. They may have surgery and change their pronouns and things like that. So that's one example of being transgender versus being cisgender where you feel that match. And just to speak a little bit more on expression, gender expression is its own kind of thing. And it can mean all sorts of different things to different people. And expression is just, it's just what you're wearing or how you're appearing. And we shouldn't necessarily attribute anything to it because you might be, you might be a guy that has decided, hey, I want to paint my nails. I, I don't want to be told I can't just because it's a girl thing. I want colors on my nails. And a lot of kids do that. I mean, a lot of small children don't gender it at all. To them, it's just a fun color and they do it and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, and for me, years ago, I kind of started out like painting my nails just because I thought it was cool and I didn't want to be told I couldn't or shouldn't because I was a guy, so I did. And at that point, it's just an expression of something that you like. But you may also might be a woman that paints your nails as a sign of your femininity. Or you might be a non-binary person. Non-binary meaning you don't identify in the gender system as male or female or any of that. So you may be kind of in a more masculine body and paint your nails to kind of counteract that and, and balance out a little bit. And, and that sort of more describes where I'm at now in my life. Um, so as I went on my own journey with gender, it kind of took on a deeper meaning to me, even these little things like painting my nails. And so we call that a cue. It's kind of a cue for me, a cue for others that you have to kind of stop and think, is this your average male or, you know, who, who am I dealing with here? And not to label people or put them in boxes, but often just to ask or have a conversation and get to know somebody deeper and as a human being and not, not with the label. Putting the labels aside is kind of what a lot of this can be about. So like I said earlier, for children, things are, and when I say children, I'm talking mostly about my preschoolers, which is my expertise, ages two to five, but even a little bit older. So they're seeing the world in this black and white way, and they're learning categories. The sun comes up, it's day. The sun goes down, it's night. And there's a pattern, day, night, day, night. And they need predictability, and they need to figure out what they're dealing with in the world. And so for them, to have this highly gendered binary world can be pretty constraining. I mean, even if they're just your typical boy or girl, uh, they are going to walk into the into Target and there's clearly defined colors for girls and for boys. And these are the toys you can have. And these are the ones you kind of can't have. And there's a social consequence, especially if you're a boy. If you want to hold a doll or work with the color pink, there's a heavier social consequence for that then. And there still is one if you're a girl and you want to go play with the trucks. It's not as, not as heavy in preschool, um, but it's there. It's seen socially, and it might mean different things to different people. And I even still have parents where they're not really comfortable with their boy um, being wearing something pink in the dramatic play space or painting their nails or, or face paint, things like that. So 
We also have to be sensitive to each family and their culture and what their values are. A lot of this, a lot of what I'm talking about here really is a value system or a belief system and maybe not everyone totally gets it yet and it's it's something that we're all learning together and it does take time too and I think patience is something we have been a little short on in our society. Not to justify people's behavior one way or another but I think we often are quick to to get really really upset and to kind of maybe jump on one another and anyway that's a whole different topic for a whole different podcast show i'm sure whether you're a little boy that just wants to wear something pink and it, and it stops there or whether you're a child who's really struggling with gender identity at some level the world we live in is still can be pretty constraining and so learning about these terms and just being open and making small changes can really impact for everyone for your child to learn how to relate to other children regardless of what their gender or gender identity is. Um, so, for example, I, I had a boy once, and or I, I say a boy, but he a child in my class who previously identified as a boy, and we were talking about gender, and I was sharing a little bit about non-binary and what that means, and then he kind of started saying, you know, similar things, like I, I, I'm neither one either. And in my head, I'm thinking... You know, he, he just learned about this like five minutes ago and um, it just seems cool to him or whatever. And so it probably doesn't mean anything. And then I, I kind of stopped myself because I do think that's true. I really do. But what I'm defaulting back to is just saying, well, he really is a boy. And that also, I mean, that also is something we don't really know, right? Where that's an assumption too. And I'm, I'm kind of defaulting back to it because we are in this binary system. Whereas what I could say instead was, well, we just really don't know yet. And it's just, we could also say it's just really not that important. It's not that important to put people in, in boxes and, and label them and kind of just give everyone the freedom to be who they are and what they are. But if you talk to the younger generation of people right now, and you hear stories in the news and you see articles here and there, and it's this common theme that there's a much higher percentage of the population on the younger side who don't really believe in a gender binary, who, who believe sexuality is also fluid. And there's many people who are not identifying as strictly straight, more so in the younger generation. So things do appear to be kind of changing in that direction, which is good, but we want to keep this, this process going and keep being open to it and figure out how can we guide our children to feel like they can be who they really want to be, who they need to be. And so that piece of things is really the most important thing to me, that that bit about children being comfortable with who they are. And that's why I've started to open up and talk more about this stuff, talk more with children and families. And not that I didn't want to talk about it or, or anything, but I didn't want to start my show off, my podcast talking about that, because I don't want it to be all about that. And I don't like, I don't want everything to be all about gender all the time. I just want it to kind of be like a non-issue or, or whatever. But I've realized it's about way more than me. There, there's so many kids who just looking around when I'm out in the world, things don't seem the same even as I did a couple of years ago. I see children who have apparently just by looking different gender identities, different things like painting nails and different hairstyles and ways of dressing. And I hear things, again, on the news about people struggling with gender identity, especially as teenagers when they get a little older. And so what I've realized, it's it's a real responsibility for all of us to figure out 
who our children are now and how we can support them in being comfortable. And otherwise, if we kind of ignore it or don't support them, they can have a lot more with mental health issues and things like that later on. And that's certainly not what any of us want. Um, and for me, a bit about my personal journey, I was never in any kind of like dramatic example or anything like that as a kid. I never felt like, oh, I'm trapped in the wrong body, anything like that. Um, I never really knew non-binary was an option. I never heard of it as a child or really until until a few years ago. And so I just didn't know that option existed. And for me, trying it on, testing it out over years, it's it's like trying on a much more comfier pair of shoes. Like the old ones fit, they were fine, and I probably could have gone my whole life not really questioning it. But now that I'm in this, this new way of thinking that is so much more comfortable, I it would be really hard to go back and to kind of stuff my feet into the old shoes, so to speak. And now in retrospect, I look back and as a child, I'd play with my stuffed animals, my teddy bears. I'd pretend they were children, that I was teaching them. And now I'm a free school teacher, which is a job that I love. And it's about teaching, but it's also about basic caregiving and being gentle and nurturing and loving. And I can just really connect with who I was as a child with those stuffed animals. Like every day I see that. And I was always quieter. I was never out rough and tumble playing sports with the other kids. I think I just kind of felt lost with all of that. But again, a lot of kids do, regardless of their gender. They don't feel as socially connected or they're not as into the sports or or more of the social things with girls, and they're kind of just their own person. So none of that has to be tied to gender at all. But for me, I look back and it kind of makes sense, and I w- kind of wish I had known, like, you don't have to put those labels and expectations on. You can just be yourself. And identifying as non-binary just really helped with that. And... Looking back, I I've always really hated the term male teacher um, for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, I, I really like to use person-first language. So male teacher, female teacher, like people, and people are positive. They get really excited because there's not as many males in the earlier ages teaching profession. So they mean the best things when they say it and when they use the term. And they even I got invited once to like a male teaching um, kind of group at the college like they're all banding together because there's not as many and so all of that is great but it never really resonated with me and like I said I like person first language so you're a teacher you're also male and maybe you're you're white or you're Asian you're young or you're old so we don't have old teachers and young teachers like it would be ageist to kind of talk like that or to imply that there's a difference between a white teacher and a black teacher or an Asian teacher like we kind of set those things aside and just see people first in every other area. But with gender, we haven't quite gotten there yet. And so that's kind of where I started off kind of being irritated with the term. Um, but it also puts a lot of expectations in people's head. Like, oh, here's a male teacher. Here's a guy. So he's going to run outside and like toss a football around or throw the kids in the air and catch them. And I, I guess I just always kind of felt separate or different uh, with that label in, in my field predominantly women in my field and I didn't really want to be separate and different in that particular way because the way I relate to children and the way I feel seems to be just very similar to most of the people I do work with who are women um, and I don't feel that kind of more stereotypically masculine way of interacting with children but in other areas of my life like when I go to the airport and fly um, I don't even think about gender or anything like that and so that's just another example of where things are kind of fluid. I mean, some people, 
Some people identify as gender fluid, which is different than non-binary. Gender fluid means like in this context, I do identify as female or more or more feminine. And in this context, I identify as more male or more masculine. And I kind of was there for a little while toying around with those concepts. And ultimately for me, I arrived at a place more of like just being out, just choosing to be outside of all of that, like seeing, choosing to see myself outside of all of that of all that labeling and just saying I'm kind of non-binary and the way I explain it to my kids at school and I kind of put it off for a long time because it seems so complicated for them but I have a shirt that says non-binary um what's the saying non the future is the future is female is something you see around so this shirt says the future is non-binary it's kind of a cool little shirt with rainbow letters that I wear sometimes and so I didn't really plan this out but in the moment I just covered up the whole saying except for the word no no and i just said it, it non-binary means no to boy and girl you're just no not either one and the kids just they just got it instantly it wasn't an issue it wasn't complex for them and it wasn't really that big a deal and we just moved on and ate our lunch so that really is kind of to me what it means it's just like saying no no i'm not gonna I'm not gonna be part of all that and yet like i said earlier Sometimes it is helpful to kind of identify one way or the other, whether it's verbally, whether it's with your um, the way I dress or paint my nails, whatever. It can be helpful to me or helpful to others to kind of cue things up in a certain way. So, And this is something I've been researching as a teacher for many years, and my own kind of personal journey with it has been two, three, four years, something like that. So it's, it's, an, it's ongoing. It, I'm learning every day. I'm learning about myself. And the world is changing every day, too. Um, and I am, I live in Los Angeles. I'm on the west side, so I know it's different here than it is in other places. Um, and it depends It depends where you go. Although I've, I traveled back to the Midwest where I went to college, and I was a little nervous to be dressing kind of different, you know, leggings and pants, leggings and dresses, rather, things like that. Um, and I went to Minnesota, and it's just like nobody, nobody cares. No one even says anything. It's just... People have their own kind of stuff that they're thinking about. Um, so I was a little nervous about that. But at the same time, you do hear like really horrible stories about discrimination and violence and things like that. So all of that still exists, and it's something we need to deal with as well. Um, but just to give you a little context from where I'm speaking from, I am in L.A., and I've been here almost seven years. So that is most of my experience teaching and working through all this gender stuff. So that's pretty much it for today. I'm, I'm realizing I started this episode out by trying to give a little simple explanation of this gender stuff, but I'm, I'm not sure I really did that today. I think I talked more about my personal journey and where I'm at with things, and I'm sitting here looking at the genderbred person in front of me, and it, it is really complex, and I'm not sure I quite met the goal of making it simple. I'm not sure that even really is possible. So maybe what I've done instead today is inspired you to go out do a little bit more research on your own and just kind of second guess what you thought you knew, whether it's in your work life, whether it's with your own children. And I mean, I've had parents come up to me at my job and they've just had a seminar or a workshop at their job dealing with gender identity and issues and learning. And they start asking me things like, well, what are your preferred pronouns and things like that, which that's the preferred pronouns is something I'm still kind of working through because um, I love the idea of like they, them, kind of pronouns rather than he or she or anything but it's also it's grammatically it's hard 
And especially like, we're just trying to get, I mean, some of my kids, I'm just trying to get them to talk, <laughs> to say hello and just to talk to me. So to try to think about how to, how to relate to them on that is, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure yet. I'm not there yet. And I know with a lot of this stuff, we're not sure. And we're, we're kind of all learning together. And so that's good. But I do have to say, I was thinking it would be hard to explain non-binary to them. And that turned out to be super easy and not a problem at all. So um, any any feedback that any listeners have that whether you've been through something similar or, you, or any feedback, give me your feedback. You can always email, reach out and email me. And I'll put my email in the show notes in case you want to make use of that. And again, thanks for sticking with me through this episode and through the podcast. I'm going to put a few things in the show links. Um, I also really do encourage you to check out my Patreon page and to sign up. It It's something that would really make me feel great to know I have supporters and to know people are kind of sticking with me through all of this and, and helping me to build the show into something even more where we can reach even more people who will be inspired to do better with the children they're teaching or parenting. Uh, so thanks, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.